Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey folks, Roland Martin here. Today we're broadcasting from the second day from the Culture Shift Labs uh, Venture Capitalist uh, Summit that focuses on Black and Latinx uh, VCs. Of course, we're broadcasting right now on this Friday, November 1st. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, breaking news, Beto O'Rourke drops out of the Democratic presidential race. No shock there. Can't wait to see what our panel has to say about that. Also on today's show, an online petition is calling for the Prince George's County, Maryland, police chief to resign. Also, a black judge is under attack for calling out racism in her county's court system. And remember the Donald Trump supporter who verbally uh, attacked April Ryan at Politicon last week? Well, he's here talking about the walkaway campaign, but there are some black Republicans who are not happy with him. Let's see what he has to say about that. Folks, lots to do, lots to discuss on the show. It's time to bring the funk on Rolling Bright Unfiltered. Let's go.
All right, folks, our top story, Beto O'Rourke, of course, a former congressman who came very close to defeating Senator Ted Cruz for the Texas Senate race in 2018, has dropped out of the Democratic presidential race. Here is someone uh, who generated lots of attention when he announced uh, he said he was made for this. Big Vanity Fair article, uh, of course, touting his run, but he never gained any traction whatsoever. Not only is he dropping out of the Democratic presidential race, he also says he is not going to be running for the United States Senate in Texas. Let's go right to my panel here. Joining us is Julian Boykin, founder and chair, Young Republicans of Southern Maryland, Dr. Cleo Monago, political analyst, and Johanna LeBlanc, national security and foreign affairs legal analyst. Cleo, I want to start with you. The reality is uh, Beto O'Rourke should have never run for president. He <laughs> should have run for the United States Senate. He had built up a strong following in Texas. It made a hell of a lot more sense for him to run there. But ego run amok, and here he is in October, now dropping out of this campaign. Your thoughts? Well, this is pretty simple. I mean, he wasn't popular, he wasn't doing well, and um, you've been breaking it down in terms of implying that he would likely drop out anyway this whole time, and again, you were, you were correct in terms of deducing the logic about his lack of success in his campaign. So it's really simple. I mean, it's not much to explain. The man wasn't doing well. He never really was up in the polls. He never really touched the audience to make, and had any fire or anything behind him to make people really take him seriously as a presidential candidate. So there it is. He's he dropped out. Now he gets he gets to save some money, because it's expensive doing this, well, this whole it, thing. It is expensive, and Johanna, the reality is this here. Um, not only has he screwed himself by dropping out, now uh, he's damaged goods, can't run for the U.S. Senate. Trust me, uh, the Republicans in Texas were very leery of Beto O'Rourke building on what he did in 2018 had he run uh, for the United States Senate against Senator John Cornyn in 2020. Now that has gone out of the window. Yeah, it's, it's quite unfortunate because um, we know... Um, the presidential campaign and any political campaign in the United States or anywhere in the around, around the world is essentially uh, essentially a popularity contest. And if you cannot get the yeah. folks to rally behind you and to be in supportive of your of your policy proposals or to, to, to get them to understand where you stand and to get people to rally behind you, it's just not going to work. But I, I do think that he would have made a fine senator. Um, it's quite unfortunate that he would not be running. Maybe he's just saying it just to say it. Maybe he may change his, his, his opinion. It may just be... Um, more of a strategic um, thing to say I'm not running for this for the Senate but I think he will make a a fine senator and I look forward to hearing what he's gonna going to do on behalf of the American people in the future Julia Julia the reason that's not gonna happen he was very <laughs> adamant during the campaign that he was not going to run for the United States Senate in his announcement today he said he is not gonna be running for the United States Senate he literally wasted 10 months Be better O'Rourke had he used the last 10 months to build up his following in Texas. He had significant energy. A number of Republicans in Texas have retiring because they've been getting killed in the suburbs of <coughs> Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. Here was somebody, and, and Senator John Cornyn's numbers are down, but again, ego trip, you run for president, and he never got higher than 4 or 5%. And so even if he had, let's say, jumped in and, and pulled out after a couple of months and still have a shot, now you're damaged goods. I think, you know, he, he went off of ego, you know, no telling who was in his corner, giving him the advice that, hey, hey, maybe maybe I have a shot at running for president. I think the uh, the gun issue, the gun issue really, really um, messed him up. When he talked about taking away guns 
from Citizens, that, that kind of put the dagger in it for him as far as him being done. Now, as far as him trying to run for the Senate, I don't know if that'll, if that's something he should look at, if, it, if, it, you know, if this presidential race has tainted the idea of him running for Senate. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll make that decision. Um, it probably won't be the last we've heard of Beto, but I know for sure when he started talking about taking guns out of citizens' hands, that pretty much done it for a lot of people that was rooting for him. Well, I think that. Well, no, actually, that did it for. Well, that that did it for Republicans uh, who never will support him anyway. But the reality is, uh, it did gain significant traction. Uh, in it did get him lots of attention, Cleo, but it didn't do go anywhere. Well, you mentioned that is ego, and that's likely in there. But I believe that Trump lowered the bar, and what I mean by that is that because. Oh, absolutely. Some, oh no, you're absolutely right. Because somebody like Trump, of all people given who he exposed himself as before he became president and since he's become president, the dog catchers think they can run and, you know, anybody feel like they can run and why shouldn't they, being that this dude is the president? So I think that's partly why um, Beto hung in there because he feel like, wait a minute now, wait a minute, look who's over there. I'm going to stand here until the wheels fall off, and I guess the wheels fell off. But there's also this, this other element that yep. we're not talking about. Oftentimes, folks run for various positions, in particular the presidency, for name recognition. So perhaps he did this because he has better um, be better plans in the future, but he knew he was not going to, no. to win the nomination. But no. for name recognition, people do it all the time. No. There are several people who are in Jahana, the campaign right Jahana, now. They're not the going to go far, Jahana, but they're the in it for name recognition as well. I understand. I understand, John, I understand your point. The reason that does not fly in this case. When he ran for the United States Senate in 2018, he raised the most money ever for a U.S. Senate race. He had people across the country who were contributing to his campaign. He had national attention running against Senator Ted Cruz. He lost by 2.5 percentage points. He had significant name recognition. He thought he could parlay that to running for president. The mistake was that he built up a massive organization in Texas, and he could have been able to take on Senator John Cornyn. Instead, he thought they loved me so much nationally, hey, I might as well run for president. It didn't work. No denying that. Yeah, that's the case. Didn't work. Not and it's all. just sometimes, sometimes some people need to realize, guess what? You ain't meant to run for president. You're meant to be. And here's a piece. He's young cat. He could have easily ran for the U.S. Senate. Let's say he won and beat Cornyn. There's going to be significant opposition to Donald Trump in 2020. Julian, your party is extremely afraid of what's happening in the suburbs of Texas. Beto O'Rourke could have built on what he did in 2018 and, and, and said, boom, I'm running against Cornyn. He could have basically cleared the board of other folks running for the Democratic primary and could have been focused on John Cornyn for almost two years. He didn't. And that was a strategic and fatal mistake. Yeah. It's obvious that yeah. there was a fatality. <laughs> I mean, he's gone. He was listening so, to somebody. There we go. He was listening to somebody. He had well, guess what? He, it, it should have called folks like me because we just said hashtag <laughs> we tried to tell you. All right, y'all. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about this story here. The first black woman to elected to serve as a judge in Louisiana's 16th judicial district has come under fire for speaking out against racial injustice. Last month, uh, the uh, 16th judicial district attorney's office in New Iberia, Louisiana, began requesting that Lori Landry be recused from pending criminal cases on the grounds that she is biased or prejudiced against this office, such that she cannot be fair or impartial. Since then, the situation has escalated 
As of remove, as of Wednesday, Landry was facing more than 300 virtually identical motions asking that she be reportedly removed from upcoming cases. Some examples being used against Landry are comments she reportedly made from the bench, such as, black men do not survive traffic stops with the police. Fact. Wow. She also said that officers use the habitual offender statute selectively, which disproportionately puts black people in more harm or risk than anyone else. Landry, herself a former prosecutor, was first elected to the bench in 2002 after spending nearly nine years at the same DA's office that is now accusing her of unfair treatment. Landry cannot hear or decide on cases while the motion to remove her is being considered. I want to start with you, Johanna. Here's what is happening across this country. And the, and the Trump Justice Department, they are leaders in this. Progressive voices in criminal justice are being targeted. Let me say it again. Progressive voices are being targeted. You have Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore, targeted by cops, targeted by Republicans. Aramis Ayala, the first black state's attorney in Florida. She said, I am not going to prosecute death penalty cases. Then Florida Governor Rick Scott removed cases from her. In fact, what's happening, go back to Maryland. Right now, Governor Larry Hogan has ordered the attorney general uh, in uh, Baltimore, a Democrat, to take more of the cases from Marilyn Mosby under the guise that she supposedly isn't, prosec isn't prosecuting them. The Pennsylvania Attorney General is targeting the P Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. I can go on and on and on. And in fact, it was Bart, William Barr who went before a, uh, a police organization a few weeks ago and actually said that these progressive district DAs and judges are causing harm. They want to keep locking people up, and they don't want progressive voices like Judge Landry on the bench, Johanna. Here's my position on this. Uh, when Judge um, Landry won um, the election, um, me and my friends, we were extremely excited because, as you know, Louisiana has one of the most oppressive legal systems in America when it comes to people of color. So we thought that perhaps we we're going to get someone on the bench who will do some good and protect the rights. Well, not protect the rights, because a judge, your job is to interpret the law, right? Not to be an advocate. So here, here's, my, here's my problem here, right? There is a fine line between advocacy and being a judge. Again, as a judge, your job is to interpret the law. And because she has been so vocal about um, injustices in the system, and, 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 and for example, that, that, that quote you just, you just shared with us, um, about men when they're stopped by the police officer and usually they, 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 don't, they don't get a... a it's never fair, right? right? So, a, as a judge, you have to be very careful because you have to always appear to be impartial. You have to appear to be neutral. So, when you speak those things out loud, people now know where you stand and mo motions such as these could be filed to get you recused from um, certain cases. Now, had it been a, a white judge or, or someone who was racist making racist comments, the same motions would have been filed. So, again, I think it's good that you have a progressive judge on the bench, but however, comma, we must be mindful because there is a, a fine line between advocacy and being a judge, and you have to be impartial. Nah, but here's the deal, Cleo. You can make comments as a judge, mm -hmm. but it's not a situation unless you're ruling on a particular case. You can be a judge and speak about exactly what's happening in the criminal justice system. That's not what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They're not saying that she has incorrectly ruled in cases. They're saying, we don't like your comments. Well, the motion was filed because she is perceived to not be um, 
mutual or no, not, not being no, that's informed. Not so what that's what I said. Was, was, no, that's not. I, I, no, no. The motion was filed specifically related to comments. Mm -hmm. The motion was not filed as related to rulings from the bench in specific cases. But those comments cases. could lead that to her Cleo, not being impartial. No, 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 hold up. You can't say, you can't say comments could lead to something unless it leads to something. Mm -hmm. So unless, exactly. so, again, if, 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 they, if they said, Cleo, oh, that uh, she incorrectly ruled in this case. She she applied exactly. the law incorrectly. They then can appeal that decision. They then can actually take her up for judicial misconduct. That's not what they're doing here. Right. That's the difference, Johanna. That's right. the Cleo, difference. Go ahead. And just because you acknowledge a statistical fact where people that look like you are getting mistreated does not mean you're going to be inappropriate when it comes to making legal decisions. No. And and the 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 assumption is that if you have a perspective that's even true around issues re relevant to race, you become suspect, and that's racist. Right. And what she's dealing with here is racism. I just hope that there's enough support around her, whether it's community people or, or other judiciaries, that will help support this woman. Because once you get on the on the wrong side of bureaucracies that are white, you can lose. No turning back. So I hope that she has support, Julia, but I want to reiterate the fact that just because you have a perspective that's based on fact does not mean you don't have the clarity and the lack of... What's the word that you have to have? You have to have no bias. Doesn't mean that you don't have bias, or that you do have bias, I should say, when you're making legal decisions. This is, this is, this is racist. Ju I think... I Julian, think there's, a there's, a black there's, a, Julian, there's a black federal judge uh, who gave a speech talking about Donald Trump and some of these decisions. He's a federal judge. He was speaking about these issues. Just because a person is a judge does not mean they cannot make comments about what is happening in the criminal justice system, but you are, as a judge, you are judged based upon the application of the law. I think the judge is, is, is right for what she's saying. I think she just went about it the wrong way. As a judge, you got to kind of stay impartial and making comments on certain things. Granted, she has a she has a, a first seat, a, a front row seat as far as the cases that are being tried versus Caucasian men, um, with cases that are being tried versus African American men. If you take the same charge and see, okay, a Caucasian male is, is receiving a lesser sentence, but an African American male is is receiving a more harsher sentence. Yes, she can make that assumption, but at the same time, a person in her seat, I think she she could have figured out a better way and play chess with it and see, okay, how can I advocate this without putting myself in the spotlight in a negative way? So now you run the risk of they're filing a motion to have you removed and they're bringing up about 300-plus cases against you if you have, that you've already cited over. So, yes, she's entitled to express... No, 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 they're not bringing up 300 cases she decided over. They're bringing up these 300 motions that are nearly identical. What they're trying to do is they're trying they're trying to game the system to keep her off of the bench. And, and That's what they're trying to and do. And this is not the first time we've seen this. And we saw this with the ambassador, with AU ambassador to the United States. When you are in certain positions, you cannot be an advocate. You are to no, uh, jo Johanna. Johanna, there's a difference. Johanna, no, this is no. Hold on, wait one second. Being an advocate. One second, one second. We're gonna deal with facts here. Mm -hmm. The person who is the ambassador, uh, that that is an appointed position. Appointed. Mm -hmm. This is an elected position. She was chosen by the people. That distinction must be made. 
I think it's important. I think it's important that we look at the fact that some of us and some people in the system want black people to walk around on eggshells and be self-conscious and not express even factual information that shows that they know how race incidents occurs in this country and that we have to keep on looking at both sides of the, the room and second-guess ourselves. And I don't think that makes any sense or if it's fair. But the fact of the matter is we need more and more progressive judges on the bench. There is no denying that. Mm -hmm. But I think as professionals we have to understand there is a fine line between advocacy and upholding the law. But that ain't advocacy. But, but to say that Trayvon Martin got shot by Zimmerman is not advocacy. But is she wrong that for happened. what she said, though? Is she wrong for what no. she said? So it's, it's not what she said, it's how she said it. Because she, she said it in English. But she could have done it a different no, way no, to the point no, where she doesn't make herself no, a target. I, I, I think, well, I th she could have no, done it a different way where she does not make herself a target. No, no, actually. You have to be strategic and action. I disagree. Roland, she could have done it a different way where she's not making herself a target. No. Do you agree? Now, here's the deal, though. You can say it don't... You, once, no, because here's, here's why. Because of what's actually happening, mm -hmm. right now, progressive DAs and judges mm -hmm. who have said things in the right way, who have said them very softly, who said them respectfully, other forms, are still being targeted and attacked. So the issue is not that, oh, how she said it or where she said it, it's the fact that she is that calling she out the DA's office. And that's what they don't like. And let's keep in mind, this is a woman who served in that office. And what is clear here is there are people who she worked with in that office. And what she is doing is calling them out for how they are targeting people. I'll give you, give you an example. In New York, they passed a law to, to impact their bail system. They found there's an audio recording of a prosecutor explaining to people how to skirt the rules in order to keep people in jail longer. That's what's happening, and so that's what you're dealing with. We gotta be honest, if there are people in DA's office who want to be judges, who wanna be for higher office, who use the prosecution of largely black people to advance their careers, and they don't want somebody calling out that because that they believe impacts their rise. And that, to me, I think is what's going on here. Final comment before I go to a break. Mosby is in trouble because Mosby had corrupt police officers arrested. And she broke the line by being in her position and arresting police, and she's under very similar scrutiny. Nailed Last it. Last comment. Simple as that. Let's com Last comment. Let's be more strategic in our approach moving forward. <laughs> Let's go buy some eggshells. Perhaps. And, st and travel around with a bunch of eggshells. I think it's a certain way you have to do things. Obviously, I mean... For white folks. She just, she just has to be more strategic in for her approach. For white folks. And, and utilize her power in a, in a, for white more folks. Of a, a more decisive way to where she can perhaps not offset the citizens. To make it fair and reasonable for everybody so it's not just African-American males. fair and reasonable. Calling it out is one thing, but you got to have a solution. Right. How you going to fix I that? I racism. I'm fair and decent to everybody. If you call it out, what's the solution? If you call it what it is and it's wrong, what is the solution? That's all I'm saying. Thank you. Well, one of the solutions. She calling it out, but what's the solution? If you call it it out, what is the solution? One of the solutions. I understand that. One of the solutions. Repress the facts. I'm not. I'm not debating. I can answer your question. Excuse me. One of the solutions is by calling it out, by putting them on notice, by saying, if you sit here and keep playing games with the criminal justice system. I'm going to keep calling y'all and exposing you. That's, that is a solution. Got to go to break. We come back. 
Um, right winger, used to be a liberal. He attacks April Ryan at Politicon, and then he says that he was the one who was a victim. Hmm. So why is he calling April Ryan all sorts of names at an event where black people were discussing their thoughts and perspective on Trump, and he's not black? Oh, I'll talk with him next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, family, it's almost time. The holiday season is my favorite time of the year. And whether you celebrate Thanksgiving, Ramadan, Christmas, Kwanzaa, or New Year's, this is when you think about spending time with the people you love most. This is also the time to count your blessings and support those less fortunate and look at how you can have an impact on their lives. Well, I have the perfect opportunity for you to be a holiday hero and have a major impact on other families. Now, here's the deal. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now, think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you'll be taken directly to jail. And if you don't have bail money, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. That could be days, weeks, or even months. Now, America's bail system is broken and has created a two-tier system of justice. One for the rich, another for the poor. Folks, freedom should be free. And that's why the Ebony Foundation has partnered with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home of the Holiday Campaign. Now, with your help, the goal is to bail out 1,000 people by New Year's Day. Now, a donation from you today can change someone's life tomorrow. And this is critical because people of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. Now, when folks stay in jail, 90% of the people with misdemeanors end up pleading guilty because they want to get out of jail. However, when bail was paid, 50% of the cases were dismissed and less than 2% received a jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us. To join the fight to be a holiday hero, you can donate 25, 50 bucks or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home by the holiday. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. That's homebytheholiday.com. Please support them now. Last week at Politicon, a group of African-Americans were speaking on a panel about being black and covering Donald Trump. Then all of a sudden, this disruption happened at the panel. Trump has policies that he only believes help his own voters. That's a lie. He only talks to his own That's base. a lie. Ask your question. That's a lie. Ask, just ask speaking your of lies, I want to talk to April Ryan. There is Hold on. The biggest liar in this world. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, I want every question from April Ryan. You know, I keep... Well, they let me ask my question. Hold on. Speaking of lies, let me tell you something. My middle name is Truth. April, I ain't lying. Right. Okay. Hold on, y'all. You get the one walking away, sweetheart. Go to the one walking away. Come back again to my question. Come back again to my question. Oh, y'all. Come back again to my question. Oh, y'all. Come back again to my question. Oh, y'all. Come back again to my question.
All right, folks, don't need to see the rest of that. You probably see the video on social media. And so uh, Brandon Straka, he was the one uh, at the microphone, joins us right now. So, Brandon, uh, welcome to Roller Martin Unfiltered. What was the purpose of you uh, going to that panel? What was the purpose of that? Well, initially, I wasn't even supposed to be going to that panel. It was not my intention to do so. I actually had a booth at Politicon for the walkaway campaign. Our booth was situated right next to where that panel was taking place. I had a number of people coming to my booth and saying, we're so upset, we're so upset, you should hear the things that are being said on this panel. Um, I was like, what is the panel? What's what's going on? And people were like, no, you have to go hear it for yourself. So I stepped over, which was literally five, ten steps away, and um, began listening, and within minutes, it was very clear what the panel was about. It was a, it was a anti-Trump supporter. I, it was just Trump bashing. So what were they saying? It was. What were they saying? Well, from when, from the moment I got there, what I heard was that the MAGA hat was synonymous with the white hood of the KKK, but they said the MAGA hat was actually worse because. Uh, at least with the KKK, the hood indicated that the people re uh, understood that they needed to hide their faces in shame, whereas the MAGA had actually emboldened that? racists and bigots. Uh, the people on Who the panel that? were saying that they have to live in fear every day Who? of Trump supporters, that they, they have to live in terror, uh, that, uh, I mean, the name Hold of the panel second. was Hold on Black you said Trump. Hold on one second. So you said the people on the panel were saying that they have to live in fear. Uh, did any Correct. of the people on that panel actually state um, examples of how they have been uh, targeted, how they have been harassed, how they've had to hire security, any of them? They did not. Okay. But the fact of the matter is there are people on the panel who have had to do that. Uh, you remember, like, you remember the guy who was arrested? Who's in, you, remember, you remember the guy who was arrested who's in jail uh, who was sending pipe bombs uh, to... CNN and other places targeting Van Jones, and then when the FBI arrested him, they discovered uh, his computer, and he had a whole list of people who he was researching, who he was targeting, who he deemed, deemed to be progressives and critics of Donald Trump. You remember that? Do you remember when Maxine Waters said that Trump supporters no, should no, be no, kicked no, out no, of hold on. I asked you a question. No, no, I asked, no, I asked you a question. No, and no, I asked, I asked you a question. question. Do you remember that? Yes or no? No, no, no. Do you remember that? Yes or no? Yes, I remember that incident from years ago. I do. Okay, now, that... now, now, no, 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 actually, no, actually, it wasn't years ago. And the reason I'm asking you, do you remember that? Because when you say people were making these things, making these comments, and I asked you about proof, I got a phone call from the FBI. The FBI tracked me down in three different cities that I've lived in because my name was on that computer. And so when you, when you make the suggestion, or when you imply that somehow these things are not true, that is a lie. To, I don't know if you've ever had the FBI call you and to tell you that your name was found on a computer of an individual who was making pipe bombs and was sending them out. I can guarantee Roland. you, Brandon, that you Roland. would not just go, hmm, that's no big deal. Roland, Roland, if we're going to have a conversation, make it worthwhile, okay? If you're telling no, me, I'm sorry. I, I, first what? of all, I asked you a question. No, I asked you a question. You were commenting on what they were saying. I'm giving you an example Roland. as somebody Roland. who Roland. has that I as an issue. On your show. I'm a guest on your show. May I please answer the question rather than I'm having you railroad me and then act like you won this debate? No, no, no. I, I, no, no. I, no. First of all, no, let's be real clear. Let's just be real clear. That that little cute little trick 
works with your 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 followers. Here's the piece. Did I invite Roland, you on the show? Speak, of course I did. Then let me. Speak. I didn't have to. I, I'm not. I'm not. Hold on, Brand, Brand, Brandon, 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 and that's the Brandon. That's the other key trick y'all do. You're winning, but that's Brandon, not how it works. So just Brandon, let me speak. Brandon, 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 Brandon. I'm gonna let you speak. What I'm telling you is, there's no such thing as, oh, you're talking because you're winning. I asked you a question. So, go right ahead. I was, and you interrupted me. Please let me speak. I'm a guest on your show, okay? I, to so I told you, go right ahead, and you're still whining. So, go right ahead. Thank you very much. I'm just trying to set the table so that you'll respect me as a guest on your I've show. I've already told you to, I've already said go right ahead. And three not times now, you're whining when I already said go right ahead. So you're wasting time and you think, and I know how y'all try to use it later. So I've said, go right ahead. So make your comment versus trying to keep whining about, okay. I can't talk Roll when it. I just said go right okay. ahead. Okay, we get it. What I was trying to say to you is, if you're trying to suggest that black Americans in this country have to live in fear of being listed on the FBI because a pipe bomb might show up at their house, then I think that you're really, really reaching even further than I expected you to reach. The purpose of that panel That's was for said. people to get up and say, okay, Roland, I'm speaking. That panel was oh, seven black you're speaking, Americans. But you're not going to miss it. You're going to misrepresent what I said. Fear constantly. That panel was seven black Americans saying that black Americans have to live in fear constantly of Trump supporters, Donald Trump, and people with MAGA hats. Now, you're talking about pipe bombs, and that has nothing to do with the conversation. So what I'm trying to say is let's bring it no, back. Actually, no, actually, actually, it does. Actually, it does. Actually, it does sense. because the individual who was arrested, the individual who was arrested was a Donald Trump supporter. Let me ask you this question. Have we seen in the last three years an increase in the United States of white domestic terrorism and hate groups? White domestic terrorism. Can you define the term? Yes. The FBI has actually defined that. That is homegrown terrorists, white domestic terrorists. Have we actually seen that? Do you believe that, that's actually that's happened? Because the F because you, just, you just restated what again? you said. You, you didn't provide no, a do you believe? You just no, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm, no. First of all, I, okay, if you need me to explain to you white domestic terrorists, okay, the individuals who have gone to prison after what took place in Charlottesville, those are white domestic terrorists. So, do you believe we've seen that? Because the FBI sure does. No, the FBI does not believe that. Or the FBI does not suggest really? that. What? Absolutely. Really? What I'm you're sorry. Do hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Please, hold on. Hold on. Can you repeat that again? Okay. Can you repeat that again? I want to make sure that you're quoted correctly. You, I'm, I want to make sure, Brandon, you're quoted correctly. You just said that the FBI does not believe we have seen an increase in white domestic terrorism? No. Your question to me was, do I believe there is a rise in white domestic terrorism? And what I said is, is that, there? yes, yes you're no. about to tell me that. Go ahead. I'm asking you yes or no. Do you what, believe what there's, the a, there's a rise in white domestic terrorism in the United States in the last three I years? I do not. I do not. So you don't believe it, but the FBI does. The FBI does not. Uh, there's no. What, what evidence are you using to suggest that the FBI believes that? Are you talking about the a FBI rise in reported director. hate crimes? No, no. The FBI director, Ray, has testified about how significant white domestic terrorism is. He has testified on several occasions in front of Congress. And so for you to act as if 
Black folks should not be concerned when there has been a rise in white domestic terrorism. We just dealt with the first anniversary of the shooting of the synagogue in Pittsburgh. That was white domestic terrorism. We Roland, have seen if we were having a serious conversation here, what we would be talking about is the rise in crime. There are so many more crimes perpetrated against who actually wear the red hat than by anybody who actually wears the red hat itself. Listen, if there's a rise in white domestic terrorism, however you define that term, then that's something that needs to be addressed. What does that have to do with Trump supporters? No, what it has to do with the fact is in the last three years since Trump was uh, uh, put place to the White House, we've seen that rise. And what we're dealing with now is that is a concern of a significant number of people. Now, i got to ask you this question here. You you are one of the folks involved in the walkaway campaign. Um, I'm but my question of the walkaway campaign. And, and, I'm sorry, say it again. I'm the founder of the walkaway campaign. Say it again. So when it comes to that, uh, what is the black obnoxious. involvement That's... in your campaign? And no, let me ask you this question. What is it in terms of black involvement? Because uh, I've had black conservatives who've reached out to me who say they want nothing to do with you or your campaign. And in fact, the guy who's running against Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been highly, I think Antonio Hunter, I believe, uh, I'll pull it up in a second, has been highly critical of you uh, as it relates to uh, African-Americans and Latinos. What do you say about that? Uh, what I would say about that is that I would happily provide screenshots for you of that same gentleman calling me a faggot and making homophobic slurs against me and and threats against my event. I have this all screenshotted. If that is actually the person that you want to get behind, I think that you're backing the wrong horse. Rowan. No, 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 no. Actually, no, actually, I'm not getting behind anybody. I'm asking you a question. Well, if also, that's your when it comes witness, to your movement, no, I'm. At, no, I'm no, I'm a I'm asking you a question because that was only one question. I'm asking I you that particular the wrong question guy, Roland. because because there there have been no no there have been numerous there have been numerous black conservatives who Name have said more. that your movement excuse me excuse me I'm going to ask the question. There have been black conservatives who have said that your movement is not about empowering African Americans. It's about getting attention for you. So I'll ask the question. What exactly does your movement have to do with black America? And what are you have you done to even do anything to address the issues uh, that, are, that black Americans care about? Sure. Other than so, you say walk away. Right. So first and foremost, uh, I don't believe you when you say that numerous uh, black conservatives have That's come fine. to you other other than the homophobic gangbanger that you're but apparently you, but, doing but, but, business but, but, with. But you, also, but, 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 but you also don't believe you also don't believe in the rise in white domestic terrorism, so that's neither here nor there. But go ahead and answer my question. And, and you're also buddying up with homophobic uh, gangbangers. So No, actually, I'm not. I don't, actually, I don't, actually, I don't even know who hey, he is, because uh, the reality this, is this I'm saying the information was... The infor no, I don't even know who he is. is I, I brought it up because there are other individuals who have said that he was well, one individual. Well, they've also talked... They've also, I, one second. They've also, they've also raised the question. They've also, they've also raised the question. They've also raised the question again about... What is the black leadership involvement in your sure. movement? And the question is, what you, what specifically have you done or are doing when it comes to the issues involving African-Americans other than Yale, walk away? What are you doing? Right. 
Okay, so first and foremost, the walkaway campaign started off as a social media testimonial campaign, creating people creating videos and written testimonials. So one of the first things that we did was when we started to get an enormous uh, vault of testimonials from black Americans walking away from the Democratic Party, we created a documentary, a 35-minute documentary. People can watch it right now for free on YouTube. It's called The Great Awakening, Breaking the Chains of the Democratic Party. 20 black Americans telling their stories of why they're walking away. After we created this documentary, we began raising funds to do screenings around the country. And we do these screenings uh, under the name The Walkaway Black Americans Town Hall. So what I've done is taken who do, who do the funds go to voices across the spectrum. I'm trying to answer your question, but go ahead. Who do the funds go to? Who do the funds go to? The, the funds go to the Walkway Foundation, and then they're used to do our events. I've never drawn a salary from the Walkway campaign, not a single dollar. I've never paid myself a single dollar from the Walkway Foundation. That's never happened. Okay. So you say so you're doing screen you're doing screenings in black black communities regarding the Walkway uh, uh, campaign. Is that what you're saying? I, not only are we doing screenings, we're also flying in speakers from around the country, uh, amazing people like David Harris Jr., YG Nightstorm, Angela King, uh, Shamika Moore, uh, Terrence Williams, uh, Chandler Crump. I, I could go on and on and on. You said, so you, said, done, uh, you, said, you said Angela King, you said Angela King and David Harris. Uh, Angela King, I believe that's Alveda uh, King's um, uh, daughter. So question for you. So what exactly so what exactly are they doing? What exactly are they doing? Are they are are you providing funds for them to mobilize and organize in black communities or is the fund simply going to to pay for your film and the town hall? So no, we don't pay we pay for the events that Walk Away does. We don't provide funding for other organizations. Uh, and the funding goes to do our events. The events are very costly. We have to rent a venue. We have to pay for flights and hotels for speakers. We have to pay for a lot of security, unfortunately, because liberals and Democrats are violent. Uh, we have to uh, we have to pay for marketing. We have to, there's a lot of things that we have to pay for. In addition to the fact that we also have to pay for graphic designers, and I have an organization. I have a staff that I have to pay for. It's a, I have an organization. And 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 do you have a diverse staff? And are you also using diverse vendors? Well, I mean, we have several LGBT people on my staff. Uh, and no, no. Do you do you have how many how many black folks on your staff? Well, there's four people on my staff, period, and they're all white. How many black but, people on your staff? Well, when we're doing walkway town halls, 100% of my staff is black. No, 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 no. How many black people on your staff? How many black vendors are you using? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal, Brandon. Is, no, 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 no. Actually, it's not, Brandon, because if, if you are going to articulate that you have this movement, and that you are speaking to and speaking about and you're featuring black people, I would think black people would be in leadership. I would think you would have black staffers. I would think that if you're you talking about, okay, empowering African-Americans, you might be employing black graphic designers or black videographers. And I'm just simply asking a question. I mean, you're raising this money and you're talking right. about your, your black walkaway campaign. So if you have a black walkaway campaign, are you empowering African-Americans? Yes or no? Yes, sir. A videographer is a contracted job, and many of my videographers well, are I'm aware of that. People. I have a company. When Listen to me. When I'm researching the roles for my organization, which is to say executive director, a director of events, etc., 
I don't base decisions based off race. I base it off of talent. I don't care. I didn't, I, I didn't say you base it on race. They are. I care about the color of the. No, I, I, I just, I just, I, 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 no. I always think it's, I always think it's very interesting when someone is talking about how they are doing something and and they're talking about uh, holding uh, walk away black town halls and things along those lines. And if you're not employing black people, it's, it's, so it gives the impression that really you're a front organization and you're really actually using uh, black people for your own particular purposes. But let me ask you this question here. You, the whole the video we showed at the beginning, you were critical of April Ryan. You were critical of April Ryan calling her a liar. Why were you targeting April Ryan so viciously? Why? What do you well, have against I'm April Ryan? Last question first, which is that I would say that it's much more empowering for a black person to have a voice on a panel, which will then become a viral video, than to you know do janitorial no, actually services it's not. for me or run a sound system. No, actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. What it actually when you talk about African Americans and as somebody as as, as somebody who's Af as somebody who's African Americans, I dare say, when even when Michael Steele was chairman of the Republican National Committee, what he also talked about is that black folks simply don't want to be on a panel. Black folks also want to be the ones who is actually who's actually funding the actual group or being a participant. See, what's very interesting, Brandon, is that what black people are used to. We're very used to these situations where people use black people for their purposes. And so when I begin to ask these questions, and you don't necessarily have answers for, I think that's quite telling, but that's why I'm asking the question to get a sense of it, because if you're out there promoting and showing African-Americans in a documentary, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, actually, what I'm doing is I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually doing what black conservatives also we often talk about with them all the time. See, what you don't realize is I have black more black conservatives on my show than frankly any show on cable news. So I talk about these things with black conservatives and what black conservatives talk about is what happens when you have individuals who are not black in the conservative movement who use black people as props as opposed to black people leading movements where they're also communicating and talking with their people. But I'm going to ask How you the question again. How many people do you have on your why staff? Why do you have such why do you have such a visceral and people again? do you have on your staff? How many LGBT oh, guess what? people do you I have, have on your staff? Hold, hold, wait, but guess what? Hold up. See, that's why I can really help you out. I got LGBT people. I got white people. I got Asian Dude. people. Oh, that's what I got. But see, and guess what? I actually employ them. What roles are they I don't simply invite. I don't just in one second. I don't just invite them to a panel. See, you thought you were gonna get cute, and it didn't work. But I'm gonna ask you again. Why do you have such hatred for April Ryan when you viciously attacked her at that panel? Why? I don't have hatred for April Ryan, but what needed to be done was for April Ryan to be called out. Now, she, much like yourself, is a person who hides behind her race, uh, and she also has the added benefit no, of hiding behind her gender. And so, uh, no, yes, I don't. Do. I don't you hide absolutely. behind my race. Yes, I'm real front and center. No, and you're see, not. And, and no, what you not. try to do, you, what, oh, I can, make, I can make the case you try to hide behind LGBT, but I'm not going to say that because you say, oh, no, I'm not. Here's the whole deal. This is very simple. That's you what stood you just up said, at a you panel, said you're not. calling Did her a liar, blasting her. Again, what what is she lying about? What is she lying? What is she lying about? Do you have facts? Do you have receipts? What is she lying about? Well, first and foremost, being on that panel and telling everybody in that audience that as a person of color in America, they need to be afraid of Trump supporters is a lie. Number one. Uh, telling her audience that Donald Trump called Nazis in Charlottesville good people is a lie. Saying that Donald Trump mocked he a reporter's did. disability. What he actually said is there were good people Telling on both that sides. People, That's what he said. He said there were good people on both sides. 
I mean, I, yes, I know did. it's hard for you to have to own up to a fact, but he did. And even Sweet people part. in his administration, like Gary Cohn, disagreed with him. Even Senator Tim Scott disagreed with his comments. Okay, if we're gonna actually if we're gonna talk about facts, Roland, then let's talk about facts. What else did he say that day? Did he also say that he openly denounces white supremacists? Did he say that, Roland? Because we're, we're talking about facts. Actually, right? he was actually he was forced to do that. Then he was then forced to then no. then he tried to walk back his comments a day after. That's what you're dealing with. So no, you can Roland. sit here and play games, but we know what the truth is. But it's okay. No, you don't know what the it's truth okay. is, Roland. You but, wouldn't know but, what the truth was if it came it in and you. Because what black, happened was... Black Donald conservatives, was black Republicans... Donald Trump was saying that in Charlottesville, what happened was that there were people, in addition to white uh, supremacists, Nazis, whatever, the bad guys that were there on that side, there were also people there who were there to protest the statues you being said, torn I'm sorry. down. You said the bad guys on our side? What side was no. that? No, no, no. I was saying, I was actually trying to agree with you for a moment, that there were people at Charlottesville I'm just saying, what's our who side? were open white supremacists and neo-Nazis. But there were also people there who were trying to protest the statues being taken down. Just as there were people on the other side who were there to protest white supremacists, but there was also Antifa. So there were good people on both sides, and there were really bad people on both sides. But Donald sorry, Trump did what, not say what, who, that who, who were the good people. Who were the good, good people. people on? Who were the good people on the side with the white supremacists? Who were those people? I'm saying that there were people there who were there to protest statues being taken down, who were not neo-Nazis or white supremacists themselves. And those people, were these the same people who went? Were these the same people with their tiki torches who were making their anti-Semitic comments the night before the University not. of Virginia? Probably not, because I'm pretty sure those okay. were the white supremacists. Brandon, Brandon, this, Brandon, Brandon, this, 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 but this, real simple. Matter, here. That is this here. Facts matter, it's, Roland. It's real, it's real simple. That's very simple here. No, no, no. Fact, no facts do matter. And, and and what and what we have that matters is, is that you have individuals who are very supportive of this president. Uh, who have some fundamental issues with the demographic changes happening in this country. And I, what I would dare say is that if Not you true. are trying to make an argument, if you, no, that's very true. If you're trying to make an argument as to why folks should walk away, make a logical argument. But what also make what doesn't make sense, and again, as somebody who has these conversations with black conservatives, I would dare say, Maybe you should have discussions with them. Maybe you should have real conversations about your approach when it comes to calling out folks like April and others, because somehow that's not actually going to get black folks coming to your side. It's not. What's going to actually, well, I mean, what might appeal to black folks, if you're making a reasonable argument, that's what might make sense. Okay, but I hate to break it to you, Roland, but the problem is black people are coming to my side and black people are walking away, and I don't have to <laughs> make up statistics because the testimonials are speak these for themselves. the same. Donald Trump is polling at 1% among black people. How many are coming to your side? Well, do you remember the polls when they said that Donald Trump had a 3% chance of winning? How did the polls work out that time, Roland? But here's what I would suggest. There's I would suggest you go to Walk Away Campaign YouTube black channel and watch the supported. testimonials of black Americans no, no, no. who are okay, walking again, away from the Democrat Party. When Donald Trump, documentary, when Donald Trump is polling at Brandon, Brandon, when, Party, when Donald Trump, or you, Brandon, any of our, Brandon, go on YouTube Brandon, and watch the Walk Away Black Americans Town Hall, Brandon, where you Brandon, can see black Americans Brandon, coming when, to support our Brandon, events. 
It's happening, Roland. Brandon's real so simple. Brandon's real it's simple. Brandon, again, though, I, I know I, I know, guy folks like you and Candace Owens and y'all yelling is happening, but here's what we do know. Well, that's because Black you have me on your show and you won't let me speak because you're afraid of what I'm going to say. And you know that I'm right. No, and you know actually, Brandon, actually, Brandon, you did speak. But again, that's you're a part packing. of the game. But it's all good. It's all You're good. Here's the whole deal, Brandon. Because good, you know here's a, here's that the stranglehold on black Americans is over. Black Americans are not buying your crap anymore, and they're not buying April Ryan's crap. They know they're being used. They know they're being manipulated. They know that they have a choice, and they know that you're a liar. And April Ryan is a liar. I would dare, I, 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 I would dare say. I would dare say the black people being used are the ones who are following you as you raise money off of black pain and black uh, anger, and then you're also not funding or helping black people. Brandon, have I, a great one. Look forward to seeing you out there on, 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 on the ground out there. Freedom, and I'll try to find I'll, I'll try to find more I'll try to find more of that one percent of black folks supporting Donald Trump. So Brandon, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Folks gotta go to a commercial break. We gotta go to commercial break. We come back, more rolling by unfiltered. Rollerbarge Unfiltered, be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roland Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roland Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. I'm from three generations of Alonzo Thorntons who joined the Army. You know, my grandfather was in World War II. I joined the Army in 1984 as a combat medic. And in the military, we had people who watched our back. It was a system where I would watch your back, you would watch mine. My union grants that security because I know my, men, my uh, medical benefits are taken care of, my pension is taken care of. I can concentrate on caring for people. And public service especially, I love it because a lot of times many individuals don't have anywhere else to go. You know, public hospitals may not take them, but public service, we take them and we care for them and we give them the best lives possible. I love it. I don't see myself going into anything else. Every time I see someone prosper because of something that I did or I've done, or I see uh, another person get into healthcare because of my encouragement. It just makes me know that this was worthwhile and any trials that I'm going through, it's worth it. Alonzo Thornton knows how important it is that we have each other's backs. That's what he's always done in the Army, as a public service worker, and as a member of AFSCME. Alonzo is the embodiment of duty, honor, and integrity. The people of Nevada are lucky to have him looking out for the state's most vulnerable residents. If you know someone like Alonzo, who sees their job not just as a career, but a calling, go to this website and nominate him or her for a Never Quit Award. All right, before I go to my next story, I got to have Julian respond. Julian, I, Julian, and I'm going to be very honest with you. There's nothing that offends me more, Julian, than when you have individuals who want to use black people and black conservatives uh, to advance their own agenda. Woo! 
Ooh. And that's what this guy Brandon is doing, <laughs> raising money. It is not going to black people. And guess what? They're not funding. They're not fun. Let me be real clear to my audience out there. And there are people out there who don't even agree with black conservatives. I know black conservatives. I put black conservatives on this show. And what's not happening is people are sending money to people like Brandon and sending money to people like Charlie Kirk. And they're not funding black conservative initiatives. But, Julian, you can go ahead and make your comment. I have never heard of the walkaway movement. Um, I'm more concerned with doing work in Southern Maryland, Charles County, St. Mary's County, and Calvert County, getting people involved in politics. You know, I'm a young Republican. I'm a millennial. You know, I'm not going to sit back and wait for the old guard to die or retire. I'm going to take charge now. I'm, not, I'm, I'm taking charge for the next 25 to 50 years. You know, the old guard has done well, but the current model we have now does not fix the problems that we have. So it needs to be modified completely. You know, first time ever meeting Brandon, seeing, seeing him on TV, I have a lot of questions, you know, when you ask simple questions like, hey, how many African-Americans do you have on your staff? And he can't answer it. I thought you was going to ask him, how many Negroes do you have? You know, is it, is, it a, is it a certain wording that he's used to hearing that can identify, you know, his answer? But I don't, I don't, I, I'm not with the walkaway movement. Let that be first and foremost. Um, my movement is different. My movement is trying to find young millennials like myself who want to see change, who aren't afraid of changing, who, who don't want to sit back and let other people dictate the next 25 to 50 years. So whatever he's doing, that's on him, but I don't agree and I don't support issues where you have people who are getting donations, but at the same time, you're not seeing nobody of color. And when you ask them a simple question, how many people of color do you have on your staff? And that person can't answer that question. I question that I, I question that person's whole purpose. What is your end game? You know, where are your funds going? And Cleo, and Cleo, don't tell me about you got a, a, a documentary that features 20 black black people who used to be a Democratic Party, but you can't tell me if black people are getting some of that money. What that means is you using black people for your purposes. Well, clearly. Uh, I wish he was in the studio. I would, would have loved to have had uh, a go with him live. And he got on my nerves with trying to pull the LGBT card. See, a lot of these racist LGBT people think they can hide behind the LGBT and not be seen as racist. But you can't get no more racist in the LGBT white-led community. I mean, it's extremely racist. And you ask him straight up, did he have any black folks on his, on his uh, staff? And he said no. And then he tried to call in the janitor or somebody. I mean... This guy, I never heard of the takeaway or the, excuse me, walk away. What is it? Walk. I've never heard of them before, but I hope that black people are not so naive that they're running behind him because his whole demeanor, his whole style just sounded very racist to me. And he's using the gay thing, as I said, as a shield so he won't be seen as racist. And for him to deny that black people are being attacked in this country and claim that it's not an issue is very interesting. However, which may sound like I'm siding with him, which I'm not, I'm siding with reality. I believe, and this is another topic, kind of, that we have seen a, a, a rise in these crimes because of cell phone use, and it's become more blatant and brought to the surface, because we've always had a high level of racism and racist crimes in this country that went under the radar. And, but, and, no, but I don't see how nobody black Johanna, do. Right. And, and Johanna, real simple, okay? It's like, oh, you bringing this one guy up. Guess what? It was a black conservative 
who sent it to me. It was, see, what he don't even understand is black conservatives who I know have reached out to me and said, this dude is a joke. That's what, see, that's what's so funny. See, he actually, now, if I, now, see, he didn't want me to do a roll call. See, he didn't want me to do a roll call. And then try to say, well, this guy called me this company. I don't even know who that dude is. I mean, I don't even know who this dude, Antonio, Antone, I don't know who he is. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, these are the games these guys play. And he Johanna, he didn't want me to go there. Michael Steele changed the rules of the Republican Party and was ensuring that diverse vendors were getting contracts when he was chairman of the Republican National Committee, and that was one of the reasons why they ran him out. See, Brandon, you, you don't want to go there with a black guy like me because I got way too many receipts. Yeah, I, Johanna, I, go ahead and make your comment before I bring up my next guest from Prince George's County. I think Brandon's <laughs> movement um, is, is a bit problematic, and, and, and I think the panelists talk about some of the things that I'll say, but I think the fact that your leadership does not represent um, the people that you say you want to serve, that's an issue for me. So when you're at the table, you're strategizing. When you're strategizing on the issues impacting people of color, how are you going to tackle those issues? But yet, you don't have people in your leadership to have those discussions. I have a problem with that. But I'm, I'm going to deviate from this conversation for, for one slight question, for one slight second, rather, because we have to acknowledge this, because I do think that um, one of the things that make, um, that, that make us able to maintain and sustain democracy in America is our freedom to um, choose our political affiliation, our freedom of speech, freedom of, freedom of, of affiliation. But I have seen lately that we, as a group of people, tend to alienate those who, um, who identify with a certain political party, and it has to stop. Um, we don't have to agree with someone's political affiliation. We must not only tolerate them, but also embrace them, because it is only through productive dialogue that we can actually move forward as a country. So we must stop that. We must accept no, people will, and embrace I, them, I, I, regardless I, no, of their political I, I, affiliation. No, I, I, I will say this. If there are individuals uh, who are aligning with other individuals who are against the interests of black folks, we have responsibility to speak up. Again, there are black conservatives who I know who I will question on this show when it comes to voter suppression, who I will question on this show when it comes to civil rights, who I will question on this show when it comes to when they support a Donald Trump who appoints a Department of Justice leader and the Attorney General who tells police departments we're going to pull back on consent decrees and we, because we, we want you guys to do whatever you want. That's what I'm going to say. And so here's the piece. And if anybody who watches this show, they can try to call me a black liberal. They can try to call me a black Democrat, and guess what? I'm going to kick the Democrats' ass when it comes to making sure what contracts we get. Are they employing black folks? Are, we, are black vendors being used? See, when you black, you ain't got a party, you got interest. And guess what? If there is an issue where Republicans are right on the issue, hey, I'm going to say I agree on that issue. But what I'm never going to do is stand with any party who's trying to suppress the vote of people who look like me. Let's go to Prince George's County, y'all, where, of course, they're having some issues there, and they want the police chief there to resign. The police chief is Hank Stawinski. The petition comes after a 24-year-old man was severely injured during a traffic stop when officials attempted to arrest him. 
According to the police officials, DeMonte Ward Blake attempted to flee from custody while handcuffed when officers brought him down, injured his spinal cord, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down. In a news conference, Stowinski defended the officers' actions, stating that they did not mean to hurt Ward Blake and calling the incident a horrible accident. The petition has caused divisiveness in the community, with some faith-based leaders supporting Chief Hank Stowinski and others protesting him. Senior pastor of Reed Temple in Glendale, uh, Maryland, Reverend Mark Whitlock, will be holding a town hall at his church on Monday to discuss police and community relations. He joins us now. Uh, Reverend, uh, glad to have you here. First, I'm going to start with Reverend Whitlock first. Um, man is paralyzed. And then the answer is, hey, it's a horrible accident. Freddie Gray was killed as a result of his treatment in Baltimore. I'm sorry, black folks not going to accept Hey, my bad. First off, thank you for blistering Brandon. Uh, you did a wonderful job of taking that man to task. I felt like you were taking him out to the shed and giving him an old whipping uh, that we would normally do in church. So hats off. Uh, keep up that work. I'm going to bring you in to talk to the young people in our church because uh, we need more people like you. 1965, Jimmy Lee Jackson... I'll, I'll be happy to be there. Thank Go you. Ahead, right? Thank you. 1965, Jimmy Lee Jackson murdered by state police in Alabama. One of the first casualties of the civil rights movement. We can keep going on. And then the NAACP, of course, certainly lifted the thought that a black man was lynched every day in our country. If we think about Michael Brown, if we think about... Uh, Freddie Gray, if we think about Eric Garner, if you think about Trayvon Martin, we can even talk about Rodney King, who was beaten severely. The, the real challenge that we have is what King said. I won't remember the chatter of a Brandon, but I'll remember the silence of my friends and the silence of the church. And so we at Reed Temple, we're holding a, a, a symposium. We're holding a town hall, and we've invited public policy makers. We've invited the police. We've invited the Change of Color and other nonprofits. On Monday, November the fourth uh, at 7 p.m. at Reed Temple, 11400 Glendale Boulevard, Glendale, Cal Glendale, Maryland, uh, to come and see. I'm the new pastor. I came out of Los Angeles, California. You and I met back there when I was at First Day of Me Church. And we dealt with the Rodney King all issue, right. yep. and we dealt with all the other issues. We're dealing with the issues here in Prince George's County. I brought with me uh, Reverend Joseph Deck. Reverend Joseph Deck is responsible uh, for the men of our church. We have about 14,000 members. We're the largest AME church in the world. We're excited about the fact what Reverend Deck is doing. Reverend Deck should talk about some of the complaints, some of the issues that our young men are facing, not only in Prince George's County, but throughout the DMV. Uh, thank you, Pastor. Uh, Reverend, your comment, please. Sure. Uh, as uh, I'm the minister of men for almost 3,000 men at Reed Temple AME Church, and one of the things that come up a lot at our church is when, a when they see those blaring lights, they break out into cold sweats. They remember the talks that we give. We do role playing. Put your, everybody here knows that. Put your hands on the wheel, all of that stuff. But in the heat of the moment, when the nerves are real high, they are not quite thinking in an orderly fashion. And, and, and we have a history. I don't have to run the history down here uh, in Prince George's County. 
where when there's a confrontation, when there's a stop, a traffic stop with police officers, more often than not, and I think there was a Maryland study that came out of the governor's office, Lil Olds in 2017, often that thing comes out at a verb like 30 percent that there is a charge or an incarceration or an altercation. And when you look at other racial groups, that drops down significantly, therefore it identifies a problem. So Roland, you, you, you know, the, you know the, the, the work that we have to do. We have to make sure that we have public policy, but not only public policy, but we also must make sure that our young millennials, like my brother to my left, are engaged in the political process that are engaged in civic engagement. It's not enough for us just to protest, but it's enough for us to go out and vote. It's enough for us to agitate, irritate, to make sure that, one, we have uh, cameras on every police officer, the body cameras, so that we can see what's going on. Yep. Right now in Prince George's County, we don't have cameras on police officers. Number two, the number of African-Americans in leadership in Prince George's County as far as the policing agencies go. And then number three, is there a police review board? Is there someone that is really challenging what these cases are? And we've had some cases go to court. We've had some cases convicted. But we have to have the, the, the feeling that everybody has a voice at the table. And that's what's going to happen on Monday at, at Reed Temple. Uh, in, 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 at 11400 11, Glendale Boulevard, Glendale, Maryland. All right, gentlemen. Well, look, good luck with that. And certainly keep us abreast of what happens there at Prince George's County. Can I offer so one more much. thing? Your friend and my friend, uh, John Bryant. Yeah, go ahead. Your friend and my friend, John Bryant, well, he's going to be here on the 8th. If you have time, I know you're busy. You may be in New York. But John Bryan and I are putting on a business symposium. Uh, no, November, November 8th or December 8th? No, no, November 8th, if you're going to be in Prince George's County. Ah, uh, yeah. No? Yeah, I'll be no. broadcasting our show from Cabo from the uh, Life Luck like, Jazz Festival, so we'll be really there. That's really like hard work, you know what I mean? That's hard work. <laughs> so, somebody got to do it. Somebody got to do it. You know, I, I don't know. Have you been in... Have somebody got to do it. Have you been getting money from the walk-away movement? I just want to know. <laughs> Oh no! Trust me. No, no. The walk away, the walk. The, when it comes to me, the walk away movement is the runaway movement because they run away from Negroes like me. Yeah, thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Norm normally, we end our show in a different way, but uh, one of our panelists, Amisha Cross, uh, uh, handled some business for us. I was traveling and could not interview the cast of uh, the movie coming out this weekend, Harriet. So Amisha sat down with director Casey Lemons, uh, Cynthia Arrivo, uh, and Leslie Odom, Odom Jr., who star in the movie. The movie comes, of course, came out today. They had lots to discuss. And so here's that conversation. And, of course, I, uh, I got to go. We're here at the, uh, at the uh, Hearst Building, and so there's an event we're about to publish, about to go, go to, and so we certainly want you to check it out. Folks, uh, the, the discussion in Prince George's County, the interview with Brandon and his attacks on April Ryan, uh, and, of course, the other issues, this is why we do what we do. Uh, we've been doing some great interviews here with African-American venture capitalists who are trying to get more money flowing to African-Americans, and so we want you to support what we do by going to RolandMartinUpFilter.com, joining our Bring the Funk fan club. And so you can pay via Cash, App Square, or, or of course, um, uh, PayPal, Square, all uh, or all the different platforms there. We have to fund our own initiatives, folks. That's what's most important. And remember, we employ black people, Brandon. We employ white people, Brandon. We ain't a scared. We ain't scared to employ diverse folks, Brandon.
you might want to learn that. I got to go, y'all. Holla. Check out the Harriet. You want to support Roller Bark Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. You can make this possible. It's really great to meet you. So I recently saw Harriet and was extremely excited. Uh, one, because of the, the strength of the film in and of itself, but also because it's a history that needs to be told. One that, sadly, a lot of people across this country don't necessarily know. Um, so the film unlocked a lot of things, not only for me, but I think um, has the potential to do that once it opens for a variety of people of all ages and demographics across this country. What are some of the, um, what are some of the main things that made you want to be interested in being a part of it? Well, um... I, it's funny because I took a meeting that I thought was a general meeting and the producer kind of sprung it on me and um, instantly um, my my heart started to race because it was very intimidating, but it was also incredibly exciting. And I thought, um, well, this is a story I've heard of people trying to do this story for a long time. And if I can be part of telling it, you know, and, um, and bringing her really her to, to the audience. That's what I was striving for, to really kind of get you next to who Harriet really was. Then, um, you know, that was something worth doing. And how do you think you were able to dig into that? Um, we yeah. know that there are several um, s several different biographies that mm -hmm. we've read over time or seeing get highlighted through the course of history. But I think that there was a, a lot touched on within the film that made it feel like there was a oneness with her character and who she was. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you feel like you were able to harness that? How do you feel that the film was able to really bring that out? I mean, extensive research. I did extensive research, so I read everything. And at the at very quickly, um, I began to kind of commune with her, like uh, really, it started, I would just call her name, you know, uh, before I went to bed first thing in the morning. But then as I'm immersing myself in the research, I came to, she came to be very, very vivid to me. And I tried to bring that vividness into the movie. And Cynthia as well, Cynthia and I talked about it and, you know, we studied her face and um, we talked about her voice and how her voice sounded and where it would be placed and uh, what her singing voice might sound like. and. Um, we really tried to invoke her, you know. We tried to um, commune with her and to, to bring her to um, through Cynthia into the movie for the audience. And what do you hope that people will gain um, post seeing the film? What is uh, What are some of the thoughts that you have about what people will walk away from theaters with? Well, I want them to have a greater understanding of who she was and, and a pride, you know. She's ours, she's our hero, you know. And, um, and to be inspired by her courageousness um, and her force of will, because I think that we have to believe in our own power to change things um, and to do right in the world. Uh, I think it's easy to become overwhelmed and just to feel like, okay, I'm just gonna give up, I'm gonna back away, I'm just gonna, you know, brainlessly uh, surf, you know, the internet and, and, and try and stay entertained like it's a survival instinct. But what I want you to understand is that one person can really make tremendous change if you're if you're courageous enough. Harriet is very different from a lot of films in the uh, in the American version of the slave mm -hmm. film genre. Um, one, you have a, a heroine who remains a heroine from beginning to the end mm -hmm. of the film, but also there is no white savior in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, it, 
throughout um, thinking about what it was going to look like. We've seen several movies where there is a white savior cast. Mm -hmm. And we've heard, you know, from the black community and very, I, I think righteously so, a lot of upset around the fact that that happens to be a key theme in a lot of movies surrounding slave life. Mm -hmm. Why was that or why do you feel that that was something that was not included here? Something that yeah. um, really focuses on the heroism and the strength that Harriet had more so than focusing on other characters. Well, this is a woman that had tremendous agency and um, and against all odds, you know, um, and in a hostile environment. So I, mean, I certainly wouldn't want to take away any of Harriet's agency. And um, she didn't need a white savior. She th There were many wonderful people that she worked with and came across and that were helpful to her that worked in the Underground Railroad. But another thing I wanted to make clear about the Underground Railroad was that that wasn't a bunch of white saviors either. There was whites and blacks working together for a cause, which is what's so beautiful about it. It really was a civil rights movement. It was it was a movement of people working together, a network of people that included, you know, abolitionists of, the, of all colors. I think that um, even I was born in Chicago, but raised in the South. Mm -hmm. um, with the teaching going through public schools mm -hmm. there, a lot of the information you hear about the Underground Railroad does include a lot of faces that don't look like mine. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is that you have all of these people who were do-gooders, mm -hmm. who were out to help in slavery, but they weren't necessarily um, former slaves or freed black people themselves mm -hmm. who were building the strategy and doing the work in that sense mm -hmm. and going back and forth mm -hmm. and making sure that they were able to um, cast the veil of freedom for their people. So I think that this movie in and of itself recast a lot of what we have been taught in in history classes growing up in this country right yeah well that that was that was part of what was exciting about it you know certainly the quakers were almost saintly in there i mean they're, they're, the quakers it was beautiful what the quakers were able to do for the abolitionist movement and how they were so fearless but there were many many blacks working with the underground railroad it was a huge network of of people and um and, you know, I really love, for instance, bringing Reverend Green into the story. Such a wonderful character and was a very important person in Harriet's life and just a really interesting um, person, you know. But um, but these, these the Underground Railroad was so kind of secret, secretive and intricate that Harriet didn't know that her own father was working for the Underground Railroad. In regards to casting, mm -hmm. um, obviously this film has a very strong cast yeah. and a cast that was able to encapsulate so much of the history, but also um, a strong understanding of the characters that they portrayed. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that the casting really helped to drive home not only Harriet's story, but also those who helped to make her story possible? Yeah, it was super important to me. I mean, I think that one of the things that we were really trying to portray was the, all the different differences and intricacies of African-American life and um, and the lives of those people, um, black and white, that, that you have, that black Southerners and white Southerners and, and African-American enslaved people and free people were different and yet, you know, very, very connected and, um, and living together almost in communities that were side by side. That was super interesting to me. And so, you know, differentiating them from the the, the abolitionists, only hundred miles away, mm -hmm. but the abolitionists who are kind of um, when you read their writings and you you see photographs of them and how how they were dressed, they were almost more Victorian than Victorian. They were so pulled up and eloquent, and um, it really it was kind of a stunning difference between Harriet, who was illiterate, you know, and a very very simple in many ways, and so to contrast her 
her with, um, you know, with the character of Marie, played by Janelle Monet. How do you do? How do you do? Good. We're confident, composed, wise enough to know not to look a strange white man in the eyes. You don't want no trouble. You know, that was super exciting to me. You know, in yeah. an era in our history where um, you see so much um, of a racial divide, mm -hmm. what do you think this film has the possibility of bringing to audiences? Well, at least to, let's try and understand it. And let's try and understand that this, the resistance of African-Americans, the history of resistance um, in our country. I think that there's still some mythology around, um, you know, around slavery as if it were benevolent or somehow people weren't really always trying to escape. But this is a story of somebody who was willing to die to be free. And that is a very, it's a very human concept and it's a very American concept. And I think that um, that's something we, we need to remember that we know none of us were content in slavery. That, that is a myth. We, it was, there was a great resistance, a huge resistance. And, um, and the mythology of contented slaves, you know, uh, one of the things that I love about the movie is um, the communication with song. That was very much a part of Harriet's story. Um, but that, you know, the slave owners saw slaves singing in the field and thought they were happy. But actually, it was intricate, very sophisticated form of resistance communication. And not to give any part of the movie away for those who have not uh, who have not watched it yet, but um, because this is a historical note that is already uh, available, my next question is in regards to how this film actually reshapes or you know rediscovers the idea of um, being a a woman who was a leader. And I say that because. Um, during all of Harriet's travels back and forth mm -hmm. and these very risky journeys from the North to the South, she was able to do this. And the assumption was that she was male. They mm -hmm. created an entire right. character mm -hmm. um, around who they were going to find and who they were searching for because a woman would never be able to do mm -hmm. all of this. And mm -hmm. especially not a woman who's illiterate, a woman who had a physical disability. Right. They just did not see this as something that should be capable of doing. Right. So how do you, um, when you're thinking about framing of this, what this means for women in general, and I would probably argue she's one of the earliest um, members of the women's movement before we actually had a women's movement. Right. I mean, I think that that's super important. And to realize that that she was one of the earliest, um, you know, members of that movement, and she was African American. You know what I mean? I, uh, that, that, that feminism is also belongs to us as black women, and it always has. Um, that she was a, a leader of men as a, as a black woman. I think it's super powerful. I mean, it's something for us to, to hold, you know, we have to, we have to put these histories out there so that we can embrace it and that we can be fueled by that as well. But you know, the fact is the Southerners didn't think African-Americans were smart enough to organize rebellions, to, you know, to, to plan, how to go to rescue slaves. They, it's not just that she was a woman, that she was black at all. They thought it was a white abolitionist in blackface, <laughs> you know, because, because clearly, you know, no escaped slave would be capable of, of planning, you know, rescues. At Roland Martin Unfiltered, we tell the stories that you're not necessarily going to always hear in regular media. We want to make sure that black stories are told and they are told with the fervor that they need to be to reach the audiences that matter. And we thank you for the hard work that you've done in creating an amazing film and really showcasing our history. Thank you so much. I have with me the two stars of Harriet, 
And I wanted to make sure that um, during this time when Roland Martin Unfiltered, we got to understand a little bit more about you both, mm -hmm. as well as the characters that you're representing mm -hmm. and what this means for, um, for the current state of affairs in America. So I'm going to start with you first, Cynthia. Yeah. Um, you play the lead role. Yes. Uh, dynamic woman, Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. You take this to an entirely different level, not only in terms of your understanding of the character, but also some of her inner thoughts mm -hmm. and some of the emotions and things that brought her mm -hmm. to make her decision and why she chose to go back over and over, over and again, again, risking her life um, to make sure that she was able to liberate people. Mm -hmm. um, what did that mean for you as, as a woman um, portraying this role in this time in our nation's history? Um, it meant a lot. I think that um, we don't uh, have enough representations of us uh, with agency. And the, the wonderful thing about Harriet is not just the work that she did uh, and the the many times that she came back and the lives that she saved, but it's the agency that she had, the force of will that that she, that allowed her to make the choice to run in the first place, to go in the first place, and then to keep coming back. Um, in order to do that, she had to know that there was danger, you know, in her path. And she had decided that it was being, being free or die. She was going to be free or die. That was that was the the long and short of it. Fear is your enemy. Whoa, easy now. I'm gonna be free or die. And I think that um, to be able to be a representative of that kind of woman of that life uh, is really significant. It's really special, um, and I don't take it lightly. That's for sure. Yeah. And how did you get into this character? Because it seems like you brought so much to it. Um, yeah. Not only an understanding of her innermost thoughts, but mm. also um, an understanding of how to relate that to an audience today. And sometimes yeah. we've seen there have been some modern twists on yeah. a lot of our historical figures that yeah. aren't necessarily um, the, the greatest representations of them. Mm -hmm. um, how were you able, and what, what did you draw from to be able to portray her in the way that you did? I think I desperately wanted people to see her as a human being. I think we know of, hopefully most people know of the great work that she did and, and the, the danger she put herself in consistently. Um, and we see her as this wonderful superhero who's saved many lives, but I think that we, we don't um, get the chance to to see her as a human being, as a woman. And that's sort of, for me, and, and for Casey as well, uh, what we really wanted to, to bring to it. So we we did the research, we did the reading, and wonderfully in her story, you see all of the humanity, all of this life, you know, the love that she had for her husband. We You don't hear about that very often, but it was a big love. It was the love that she came back for, you know? Uh, you, you learn about how much family meant to her. You learn about the fact that she had the ingenuity to go and hire a lawyer, save the money that she had from Thompson's farm to take and look, hire a lawyer to, to draw up the papers that say that her mother is, was supposed to be free. Like, that's a person with uh, love and care in her so you have to inject the role with that it, it comes as part of the package there's a person with spirituality so I made sure that I made space to to go back into myself and figure out where I was when in my relationship with God because I have faith um, so that it felt uh, natural to call on that when I was playing her uh, but it's something that people don't realize but it is something that she has said herself uh, in in the biographies that you read she speaks about that and you know it's about taking the small things the facts that you you find out and really filling the the broad picture broad strokes picture that we have of her yeah absolutely and Leslie, I'm going to turn to you for a second. Um, 
when we talk about the role of Harriet Tubman and those who were also a part of the Underground Railroad and what that meant um, as, as it relates to the, um, to, to the function, but also the design and how you were able to make sure that people didn't know. Um, your character in the film is very strong in the sense that he's a leader. This has been going on for years. He understands the level of danger that um, that is potentially there. Um, in addition to having um, compatriots across various places to assist during the process. Um, after the passage of the Fugitive Slave Act, there is um, a lot more intensity around fear and what it's going to look like to actually still be able to do that. You draw on that in your role. Uh, how do you feel that you were able to reach back and uh, not only showcase how pivotal this moment in history was, but also um, really be that person who drives home the importance of the work? Oh, man. I mean, I don't even know if it's for me to say how, you know, how it went, you know, or, you know, how it turned out. I, you know, it was just my job to try to bring home that that danger, try to try to, you know, make that real for myself as much as possible, you know, you, and I, you know, I'm, I'm no fan of myself. So I, you know, I, I, most of the time I feel like, well, thank you. Most of the time I feel like I fall short because it's, because these, these stakes are huge, big old, they're, they're, they're big. And, and it, it is not, it's not easy to make yourself feel that, to feel that, that danger and that, um, that sense of urgency, you know, um, that they must've been feeling. Rescuing slaves requires skill and careful planning. It requires reading, Harriet. Can you read a sign or a map? Can you read it all? I put my attention on trying to hear God's voice more clearly. Do you know what would happen if you got caught? They would torture you until you pointed them right to this office. You got lucky, Harriet. And there's nothing more you can do. Don't you tell me what I can't do. I made it this far on my own. God was watching, but my feet was my own. Running, bleeding, climbing, nearly drowned. Nothing to eat for days and days, man. I made it. So don't you tell me what I can't do. But did my best. You know, you try to, um, you know, trying to put yourself there. You know, I mean, I, you know, I was drawing a lot on my own relationship with Cynthia, you know, for what William might be feeling and, also, what William might be feeling for the people in the network who he who he's known for so long, and he's known that they've risked their lives. And so you just you know you're trying to think of you know what if your friends and family, you know, were in danger of being caught and prosecuted or worse. This segment of African American community that feels as though period should not have been played by someone who's not of African American descent. Uh, we've heard those rumblings on Twitter, um, and there is conversation about what that means. How do you feel in regards to those comments? Um, I understand them, you know, um, and I, you know, I, I don't mind hearing them and I don't mind sort of the discussion at all. Um, there's, that comes from, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain underneath that. There's a lot of um, people, women specifically, you know, black women in this country, whether they're performers or not, you know, uh, who feel historically ignored, you know, I mean, the fact that this is the first major motion picture about Harriet Tubman being made, you know, these are, so, so there's, there's pain there, you know, I'll add to that, you know, historically there's been 
you know, such a, such a, um, a dearth, the, like a, a lack of our stories being told at all. And so we can sometimes, you know, come, you know, we, we, we come, we're facing these problems f- from the historical, our, our experience of them. I'm getting to a point, I promise. But what I'll say is when I graduated school, even, you know, a few years ago, there was no Issa Rae, there was no Lena Waithe, Donald Glover, Shonda Rhimes even, Ava DuVernay. Like these people were not on the scene. And so our stories are being greenlit now um, because there's data that says that they make money. There's data that says they can make money internationally. And so um, I said all that to say, you know, this, this is the first Harriet Tubman story being made. It does not have to be the last. There's nothing stopping anybody else from making a Harriet Tubman story. This is the this is the story that that Casey Lemons wanted to tell. This is the story that Deborah Martin Chase wanted to tell. This is the actress that they thought would be perfect. I happen to agree, you know, for, for this version. And I look forward to seeing the Harriet stories that are told after this, you know, the brilliant actresses that will take on this amazing story after this. Um, I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand it very much so, and I, you know, welcome to discussion. I understand that there's a want and a love for this woman, um, but it's that it's we're lucky that we have this this film here, this first telling. But I absolutely not, do not believe that it is the last or should be the last, and I just hope that it's even just a blueprint for what might come next. I want it to just create a space for many more black actresses to, to, to come and tell this story. Because before anything, before being English, before that, I'm, I'm a black woman who wants to tell wonderful stories about other black women. And Harriet is a wonderful black woman. And I hope this is just one of those stories that keeps going and going and going. And thank you both so much. I think that was a perfect note to end on. I encourage everyone to go out and see Harriet. This is an amazing film. And I think the cast Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, folks, back to our unfiltered video in just one moment. Life Lux Jazz Experience taking place in Cabo November 7th through the 11th next week. Yours truly will be there. We want you to be there as well. Go to lifeluxjazz.com, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com. 14 acts, Gerald Albright, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Shalea, uh, uh, Ronnie Laws. I mean, it's going to be jam-packed. Now, here's the deal. If you can't go, I understand. Uh, but you can also participate by uh, getting the live streaming pass from gfntv.com, gfntv.com. $10.99, you'll get to see all of the concerts over the course of three days. It's fantastic. Oh, did I tell you that gfntv.com, black-owned? Yeah, as well. And so, also, Life Love Jazz Experience, black-owned. The sister created this uh, to provide an opportunity for African-Americans who live in a lot of these cold states 
even though climate change has screwed that sucker up, uh, to opportunity, of course, uh, to hang out in Mexico for four days and have a great time. I'll be doing Roller Martin Unfiltered there next Thursday and Friday from Cabo, but you can experience uh, the concerts by going to gfntv.com and getting your live streaming pass. So please do so, and we look forward to checking it out. Back to your Roland Martin Unfiltered video. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.